The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, and Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Radio Land. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yow, and as always, I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Mr. Maurice Patton. It is Thursday, which means we get to talk a little high school football today. Got a lot of games coming up tomorrow night that we're going to get to, and we've got plenty of time to do it. We're here until 11 o'clock, so thank you guys for joining us. We hope you will stick around. We've got a lot of great things to talk about today. Maurice, it's um, it's rainy out there. It's not it's not a, a great day uh, weather-wise, but it's always a good day when you can talk about high school football. Oh, without question. You're right. It, it's it's not a great day. In fact, it's, it's kind of an ugly day. It is ugly. But that's okay because I'd rather get it out of the way today. Tomorrow is supposed to be nice. You got that right. Yeah, if it, Anything that involves a possibility of me getting wet, well, Mm-mm. rained on anyway, uh, I, I just assume miss. So, so yeah, hopefully we'll get this out of the way. Forecast, we need to get Brady um, Brady Hanson on to tell us what the forecast is for tomorrow. But we and think um, Tuesday. It, it looks like this is supposed to clear off probably early morning, midday tomorrow. So we ought to be in good shape. Most everybody will have decent fields. So we've got a lot of high school football coming up, but there are a couple of teams who are not going to be playing this week. Yeah, um, Mount Pleasant in the second second week of a um, two-week COVID-related shutdown. Um, they were set to travel Friday to Wayne County. There was hopes of, I think Friday is the last day, basically, of their inactivity. There were um, efforts made to try to schedule a game for Saturday, uh, last we heard, that did not take place, so the Tigers will not be in action this weekend. Also, Columbia Academy will not be in action this weekend. They were supposed to um, host University School of Jackson in a Division 2A West Region game. That game will not be taking place, and um, the Bulldogs will not travel next week to Jackson Christian again in a COVID-related situation, but... We did get word um, late yesterday evening that Coach Charlie Lansdale has come home from the hospital after having some, some COVID symptoms that required him to be hospitalized for a couple of days. So glad to hear that he's on the mend and working his way back. And, and hopefully by the time this two-week inactivity is over, all of the Bulldogs will be ready to roll. That is what the hope is. Yeah, that that story came down on Monday, mm-hmm. um, and we broke it on 
sm-tnsports.com. That's where you can find all of the local high school sports news, where we have a great story that went up last night on Mount Pleasant's volleyball coach who does, not only does she serve at the net, she serves behind a badge as a Mount Pleasant police officer. So that's a pretty cool little story. Like I said, sm-tnsports.com. All the up-to-date local sports news and also features on local high school sports figures. So make sure to check us out. Subscribe for free. Absolutely free. All you have to do is give us your email address. We'd love for you to do that. Because we want you to see all of these games tomorrow night after they are finished, we will have full coverage, several photo galleries, and full game stories, including stats, including from... The Nolansville at Columbia Central game, we spoke with Columbia Central head coach Jason Hoth on Wednesday, and he seemed to be in good spirits following their win against Lincoln County, and he probably should be as they are expected to see the return of Christian Biggers to the backfield to go along with newcomer Justin Buckman who had a big game against Lincoln County and he expects to have a one-two punch. A nice little one-two punch. I mean we've seen what Biggers is capable of um, over the course of the last season. Buckman a transfer from Michigan comes in and goes for um, 93 yards and a couple of rushing touchdowns on 12 carries in that 30 to 21 win last week over Lincoln County including the um Insurance touchdown, I guess, if you will, after Max Patton's big 40-yard field goal that put Central back in front after trailing 20, to, uh, leading 20-7 to early, trailing 21-20. Max tries a 45-yarder. Um, there was a false start. There was a penalty there and moved him a little closer. Offsides. I'm thinking false start. Wait a minute. That, that doesn't move work. you closer. That moves you further away. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and, um, and, and he, he missed the original attempt uh, because of the pit. But, but, you know, when the penalty happened, it was short. Mm-hmm. And well. there was a lot of thought up in the press box that maybe you go for it here. But mm-hmm. credit to Coach Hoth, he did not. There you go. And, um, you know, trusted the kid, trusted the kid's leg, and, and came through. And then, again, Buckman with the um, – the insurance touchdown late. Um, I, I had, as we talked last week, I felt like that was going to be a big game for Central. It was, um, and I think they take some momentum into this ball game against Nolansville. I don't think there's any question that there's definitely some momentum. When we talked about this, I'm not sure if we talked about it on Monday, but this is a game that in the last couple of years, Central would have lost. Because they just didn't have the mental toughness after giving up a big lead to find, you know, find a win mm-hmm. after going down and giving up that lead. Yeah, they've um they've had some games where they have gotten off to some great starts and some solid leads, and and then they've just not been able to finish, and and so for them to be able to get a lead lose a lead and bounce back I, I think I think this team has taken a step and I think we'll see more as to whether that is the case 
tomorrow night against Nolansville. Yeah, they did not score a point last year against Nolansville, lost 28 to nothing. But again, that's a team that went to the semifinals of the Class 4A state playoffs. So that was, you know, again, you're talking about a very good football team. The key for for Columbia Central tomorrow night will be containing running back Samson Johnson, who has had a phenomenal season to this point. Also, quarterback Ryder Gallardi. Uh, will play high, uh, college football at the next level on an athletic scholarship at Long Island University. Long Island University. It's a long way from Nolansville to Long Island. It, it really – how many high school athletes from the South will choose to play college football in New York? It's an interesting situation, uh, and I, I'm I'm not sure – what that recruitment had to be like, but but I, I don't know how a kid from Nolansville winds up up there, but congratulations to him. As you said, Columbia struggled with Samson Johnson last year in that 28 nothing loss. Uh, I think that this Nolansville team is a little bit different from that one, though. I think they yeah. had a, a, a solid group of seniors on that team. This time around, I'm not sure that they are quite – as experienced across the board as they were last year, their only loss was in their season opener to Brentwood. Right. They, they've had, but they, they, you know, when I saw them play against Spring Hill, it was, it, it just, it felt like Spring Hill was never out of the game. They couldn't put the Raiders away. And I'm, sh- I'm, I'm curious if they're not able to put, columbia away if they do get a lead and they're not able to put the lions away columbia has the ability at any point to take it the distance and if a little momentum over at lindsey nelson stadium can go a long way yeah and you know jason hoth kind of talked about that last night they they're a little bit more balanced offensively this year than they were last year they do have the threat of a passing game with brady mccandless with Stephen kennard and with some of those other guys over there so um you know, I'm I'm interested. We've talked about their defense a lot this year. Watson Harvey tears a um, ACL down at Giles County a couple of weeks ago. They they were able to still be effective against Lincoln County, but that, that kid's a thumper. And um, losing him out of the middle of that defense, uh, I, I'm interested to see how they fill that spot and and how they go on without you know without missing a beat or if they miss a beat with him out you definitely don't like to lose a guy in the middle of your defense especially of his caliber so it will be an interesting night at Lindsay nelson stadium and that game will be played tomorrow at 7 p.m you can catch it on wkrm with the illustrious clayton harris on the and as the analyst over there, yeah, with Lee Maddox. Or yeah, well, player. I mean, well, Lee needs no introduction. We just want to let people know that you are going to be on the air in case they don't want to listen. <laughs> no, please <laughs> inform the folks; they might not want to. Uh, but yes, you can catch that one on WKRM one zero three seven. When we come back, we're going to talk about Spring Hill as they travel to Mount Juliet, and Summit goes to Northwest Clarksville. When we come right back on. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. If 
Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. It is a 24 minutes past the hour of nine o'clock here on WKOM 1017 FM. Thanks so much for listening. We are happy to be here and provide you with local high school sports coverage, including previews of tomorrow night's football games, including Spring Hill. Traveling to Mount Juliet, and if you have a schedule, it's wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> including the helmet schedule that is in the middle of our magazine. But if you look in the lower right-hand corner of that two-page spread. The absolute most important thing that Maurice contributed to this entire <laughs> without magazine. question. Is it says schedule subject to change. <laughs> And all kickoffs at 7 p.m. That's not necessarily true either. If you're Zion and you go to Sail Creek, it's at 7.30. Yeah. But <laughs> but in all the time that I have dealt with high school football, I have never felt the need to put that phrase on a season schedule. <laughs> this but, year was. But 2020. It's 2020. Hashtag yeah. 2020. There you go. So Mount Juliet was scheduled to play Maplewood. Obviously, there was some concern throughout the beginning of the season up until about two weeks ago that Metro Nashville schools would not be able to play their games. So at some point, because that October 9th game is during the fall break of at least Spring Hill, it may also be Mount Juliet's fall break, I'm not sure, but that game is scheduled during fall break. So instead of playing during fall break... Spring Hill has now moved that game to this week, which is good for them because they've been off for two weeks, and they would have had an open date this week, making it three weeks going into a region game, and I'm not sure how that would have played out. I don't think um, – I'm not sure how that would have played out either. Meanwhile, Maplewood is playing East Nashville tomorrow that's night. A, that's, a, that's good for them. Yeah, the, um, it's good for them, but – Metro Metro's no yeah, Metro's not allowing any fans at any of their games, so it's it's a tough situation. And and we've seen over the last little bit where some of these Metro versus Mid State games that were supposed to have been hosted by the Metro team, they're flipping those, such as Pearl Con and Independence. Exactly. So, so it's and and I don't blame them. I don't blame the Metro schools. For changing because most of their opponents are they're taking on the officiating costs because if they're not getting any gate from this how are they paying the officials how are they taking care of the field there's a lot of things that have to that right. you have to think about here and it would have been a massive loss for those schools so instead i know that you know i know that some people are are paying 
metro schools to come play or they're taking that that financial burden off of them by hosting the game and maybe splitting the gate with them or something of that nature uh it's so playing two metro schools it i guess it could basically be like a scrimmage for them at this point it's just about hitting somebody else and getting your feet wet before you go into a you know into a region game against spring hill that you got to win right right and and east nashville also plays in a tough region that region 5 3a pearl cone i mean yeah pearl cone is ranked number 10 despite not having played giles county just fell out of the 3a rankings so um good opportunity for east nashville as well to to get a game under their belt under whatever the conditions are with you know nobody in the stands and that kind of thing but you know this this mount juliet team that spring hill's getting ready to go see tomorrow night four and oh um ranked number seven i believe in the latest associated press 6a poll all they've done is defeat stewart's creek Lebanon, Gallatin, and Wilson Central in succession. Last week they um they defeated Wilson Central ten seven in a big um region four six A contest. But um traditionally the Golden Bears do a pretty good job. Uh they came to Spring Hill last year and broke open a relatively close game in the second half and won it going away. So yeah, and and you and I have talked on some other occasions about teams coming back in this rest versus rust situation. Spring Hill having been off the last two weeks, they were supposed to have played Tullahoma last week, Lincoln County the week before. They suddenly got two weeks off, jumping back into it against a ranked Class 6A team, and they're 0-3 coming in. It's a tough trip. Uh, it's exactly That's exactly what it is. And – I don't think there's anyone who truly believes that this is a game that Spring Hill should win at all. Um, giving themselves a chance is going to be difficult in itself. They're, this will be a game that they have to play perfectly on all sides of the ball, from kicks to kick returns to offense, defense. It's going to be... They will have to do exactly what they did in the first half last year. I know they gave up a safety, unfortunately, and went down eight to nothing. But then a pick six, and the first quarter was it ended eight to six. Mm-hmm. At that point, Mount Juliet reeled off eighteen in the second quarter, and then en route to a forty-one to six win. So no offensive points from Spring Hill. They'll definitely need to find some way to find the end zone, obviously, against this Bears team. You know, and and similarly to that, you know, they're going to have to have some big plays. And that's the thing. You look at that team, and there's some big playability over there. I mean, the one touchdown that they had in the Summit game was a 53-yard pass play from from Luca Boylan to Ramon Kelly. Ramon Kelly, who who took a 10-yard pass. Yeah, and, more yards. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they've got some big play guys on offense with that guy, with, with Dante Pryor, with Landon Seacrest. We've just not seen it yet. And this would be a great time for it because it, it's it's going to – I don't think – I don't think offensively they are built to to put together sustainable drives, particularly against a physical – 
Mount Pleasant defense like this. Mount Juliet, but yes. I just said Mount Pleasant, <laughs> didn't I? I'm sorry. But, <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's the Mount. They're physical, too. They are. So. <laughs> no, against a physical Mount Juliet defense, uh, I think they've got um, a, a linebacker defensive lineman, Defendall, who is um, getting some looks. And it's just they're going to have to be able to flip the field and that kind of thing because to just take it from one end to the other methodically, I don't think it's going to be the answer. No question. It's this is a this this Spring Hill team definitely has big playability, and if they can find a way to limit the big plays on the other side, you know, of course, you don't want your defense to have to be out there the entire game because you've scored on the first or second play of each drive. That's not ideal, especially when your quarterback plays linebacker. <laughs> so, and they have a lot of kids who played both ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's difficult to to do. Uh, this is this is a really good Mount Juliet team. They they've outscored opponents 116 to 57, and I, I don't I, I don't really have an answer for Spring Hill on how to how to go about this. Uh, I'm sure that Coach Ben Martin has been working. He's had two weeks to prepare, uh, so there's that. So hopefully he's he's had an opportunity to put together a good a solid game plan, and if his kids can execute, then. You never know. I think, I think regardless, though, they will be happy to be back on the field oh, that's after two all, weeks off. That's all that matters right now is getting back on the field. And like I said, this may be a game that they, that Spring Hill says, you know what, let's go out and work on executing what we do. Let's focus on how we're going to get better at what we do, so that next week when we play Maplewood, we have we are as good as we can possibly be at what we do. Because, again, like we've said, if you get a win over Maplewood next week, you go into week 10 with an opportunity to make the playoffs. In a six-team region, um, that's going to give them a shot. Uh, if, if they can just get one somewhere, because like you said, um, they've already got the, the COVID loss to Tullahoma in region play. Uh, they've got Maplewood. They that week ten game is against Lawrence County. Um, they've still got Marshall County out mm-hmm. there. Um, they've already lost to Nolansville. So, a a that Maplewood game is pretty pivotal. And and the fact that they will have a game under their belt and they've played three games already. Maplewood that will just be their second game of the season, obviously. Right. So, you'd like to think that that field experience, especially coming off a of preseason where you've not done anything gives them a little bit of an advantage absolutely exactly speaking of teams that were off last week um summit returns to action on friday night and you can hear that game right here on wkom 1017 with mike epley and matt rogers they travel to northwest clarksville this is their final tune-up because their last four games of the season are region contests Summit will take on Page, Franklin County, Shelbyville, and Lincoln County in the last four games of the year. So this will be the last time they play a non-region opponent. Last year, it was homecoming for the Spartans, and they got it done with the help of Keaton Wade basically running Wildcat shotgun all night because Destin Wade had tweaked his ankle. I think that was against... I'm not sure who he tweaked his ankle against, but... over. I think it was against 
Franklin. I don't think it was because I don't think he played against Overton either. Okay. So this is a game that they, you know, they won't have Keaton Wade for this year. But they still they will have Destin. Exactly. And I was just sitting and that here may be th- enough. I was just sitting here thinking, you know, Northwest has to kind of consider themselves lucky. They won't have seen both weights at the same time. <laughs> so <laughs> You're right. Could be worse. You know? <laughs> but um yeah, this this Northwest team, they come in at one and two. Um they've had a couple of games that they've not been able to play for, for pandemic reasons and I just think Summit coming off of the open date after not playing last week against Overton they come in. They've had two weeks to let that Franklin loss marinate. Mm. Hey, yeah. Uh, it <laughs> and you know that's been bugging their coaching staff as well as as those seniors. You remember that NFL commercial with Lawrence Taylor? Let's come out like a bunch of crazed dogs. I do not remember that. Well, you're. The, I was about to say, I was probably four when LT was playing. You know, we've gotten four <laughs> days without any references to to this. <laughs> to our age gap. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that I've been writing longer than you've been alive. But anyway. That's still, um, you know. Anyway, that's a, that's a reference that some people of a certain age will recognize. Anyway, that's how I'm expecting <laughs> Summit to come out after sure. two weeks of thinking about that 27-20 loss to Franklin. Uh, this is not a good place for Northwest to be. I know it was Summit's homecoming last year. I hope it's not Northwest this year. If it is, it's not going to be a pretty sight. That uh, I mean, this is this is a Summit team that they need – that that tune up that that game that's going to get you ready for that last push through your region schedule and and we should be getting to about Keaton Wade return time right I I don't think he's going to come back this week I'm I not sure that he think. would need to yeah. Uh, yeah unless it was just to get his feet to, to knock the rust off sure. I don't think he's going to play this week. I know, but like you said, yeah, it was originally six to eight weeks. This has been five. Uh, this will be week six. So we could see him return as early as next week maybe. Uh, we haven't really had an update from Coach Coleman over there. But we'll see what happens. I mean, this is this is a game that Summit should win. So yeah. uh, no question there. All right, I think we're going to take a quick break right here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Zion Christian. They host Collinwood this week, and we'll also talk about the Pegasus Cup down in Loretta as they host Summertown. When we come right back to Hollywood Hulk Hogan music, this is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net.
Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. It is segment number three, hour number one, 44 minutes past the hour of nine o'clock here on WKOM. And we got a little more high school football to talk about as the Collinwood Trojans come into Zion. Zion Christian on a three game winning streak in Collinwood coming off of a win last week after missing two games for COVID-related reasons. They get a big win over Perry County last week. So, Zion Christian has a little momentum, Mo. Zion Christian does have a little momentum. Um, really playing well right now. Obviously, their concern is their numbers, their depth, but but they've done a good job to this point of working around that or, or just getting adapted to, you know, we got what done. we got. Get it done. Yeah. and That's kind of the attitude over there is just, you know, like you said, we got what we got. We got to get it done ourselves. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. We, we, we are we got. And um, Luke Perko has been a big part of that. Obviously, we've talked about him a lot. I think he's going to have to have another big game here on Friday um, against a pretty good Collinwood team. Like you said, they had missed back-to-back games against Summertown and, and Loretto. Won last week at Perry County. Won their opener at Middleton and um, lost in week two before they went out, lost over at Richland 2610. So it's a Collinwood team that's traditionally been a pretty tough team, pretty physical team, pretty big up front typically. Um, All of the things that could give Zion some problems, I think, especially along the offensive front where they've only got about seven offensive linemen total. So, Yeah, that's that's always one of the bigger questions, especially when you get – into some of these rural public schools teams, especially in South Tennessee, you you, tip, you typically run into some corn-fed hay baler, and you know, that's what <laughs> right. that's what they do during the summer. They don't work out; they just throw hay bales, and they learn how to push folks around with them. So, yeah, when you're when you're working with cattle and having to herd that, it, it what what do they call it? Functional strength. Yeah, that's I, I can tell you, it's it's functional, all right. So I. I've seen that before, and and uh, so has Zion. They've never won in this series. They are zero and seven against Collinwood, and but here's here's something unique. We talk about Collinwood. Uh, they missed two games mm-hmm. for COVID. Zion Christian is the only school in our coverage area who has played all five of their scheduled games as scheduled. As scheduled, yeah. It's pretty impressive, and and knock, knock on, on wood. wood. <laughs> Brad Lowry's going, you <laughs> shut up. Exactly. Yeah. Um. You know, and again, I go back for Zion to that forty-one sixteen loss down at Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fayetteville's ranked what five six in the state mm-hmm. in Class One A. Zion scores on them early. It's eight eight at the half. I think it was right and regardless of the way that thing went, I just feel like they built some confidence in going to, you know, a top 10 team and, and playing the way they did, even in a 25 point loss, ultimately that a lot of that you could just chalk up to again, depth, the numbers. I mean, they, if they dress out 25, they don't dress out any more than that. And I don't think it's 25. So, um, I think they got some confidence out of that. They've run off three straight wins. Um, They've gone on the road and won. And 
think they're feeling pretty good about the way they're playing right now. There has to be something said for the normalcy of their season. They've not had to swap opponents or change their their process in any point because they've played all five of their scheduled opponents as scheduled. It It's a little bit different for a team like Collinwood, who's had to sit out and do this and do that, and they didn't get to practice for however long. There has to be some some positive there that could potentially help Zion throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, you would think so. Like you said, there's just a, a air of settledness. Okay. We, we can just continue doing what we've done from week to week. And they've not had to deviate from the norm. And so, and you know how athletics, so many people involved in athletics are so, devoted to the routine oh yeah and so they the routine hasn't had to change for that for them so there's been some comfort in that i don't think there's any question that zion having that ability to just do what they've been doing has to help um collinwood however is pretty good Mm -hmm. Uh, in that in the game against richland even though it was a 26 10 loss they were winning at up almost a halftime. There was about a minute left to go in the half when I think Austin Seals threw the touchdown pass on the halfback toss. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just goes to show that they can play with very good football teams as well. We know Richland is is pretty good football team. So the Trojans are certainly coming into this game wanting to get things kind of going for their school. They've got, you know, obviously they've got a region schedule. Zion does not play for a for the postseason. Um I know that coming up they've after Zion, all four of Collinwood's remaining contests are region games, including next week against Huntingdon, which is obviously a tough game for anybody. It's not going to be a lot of fun. No, it's not going to be a lot of fun. Uh, But they have Huntington at Huntington. They play McEwen, Hollow Rock, and then Wayne County at home to close out the season. So, again, this is, you know, not having the, I guess, hanging over your head, the playoffs and that sort of thing kind of gives Zion a little bit of extra, you know, no, it's no sweat off our back. Let's let's just go out and do what we do. There's Mm -hmm. no, there's no pressure to to win to maybe get into the playoffs or something like that. So it, obviously last year this was a high scoring affair, 44-30, Collinwood won. Uh, I expect it to be the same this year. Yeah, I think you're right. Um it'll be an entertaining ball game, I think regardless of how it ultimately comes out. And as we spoke earlier, I think Collinwood's just glad to be back on the field. Oh, there's no question they are. All right, speaking of teams that are Happy to be back on the field. Summertown was happy to get back last week despite a loss at home. But, again, played the number three team in Class 2A in Lewis County. And this week, another big rivalry as they travel to Loretto for the Pegasus Cup, 
which is probably my favorite cup name around here. You know, I I'd heard of it and it never really clicked with me and then I think I was down at Summertown and saw the trophy and it's like wait a oh. minute. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Summertown's the Eagles, Loretto's the Mustangs, Bird, Horse, Pegasus. I get it. This you is know? Great. <laughs> like, so yeah, I, I think it's fantastic and and anytime you put those two schools together for anything, it's gonna be intense, it's gonna be entertaining. Um everybody's gonna be there. Everybody who can. Well, yeah. Uh, and so uh, it it'll be um It'll be an entertaining ball game. Like you said, Summertown coming off a tough loss at home to Lewis County. Um, that was their first um, first loss in region play. It was their first game in region play. Loretta, meanwhile, also coming in 0-1 in the region with um, their loss last week to Forest. 2-2 um, two and two overall, but one of those two wins was a COVID win over Collinwood. So, um, and the other was a seven nothing win over Wayne County, right? So, which we know Summertown beat Wayne County in week two, 26 to six. If if you're into comparing, if scores. you're into comparing scores, sometimes we are, sometimes we're not. <laughs> this well, is a tough region, as a matter of fact. This is last week began region play for Summertown, like you said. The rest of the way, they are in region play other than one game against Lawrence County. Um, and they need to get back on, and I guess, pardon the pun here, back on the horse uh, against Loretto. <laughs> I was I went to say that, and then I was like, so I, I, I didn't plan that. That was, I went to say it, and I was like, oh, crap, here comes a pun. Uh, I love puns. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I love puns. You're a punny guy. I, sometimes. But uh, <laughs> that was not meant to be uh but they do they they need to get back on track against loretto here yeah i mean i think this is a team that has an opportunity to play for you know a home game in the opening round of the playoffs but they've got to um bounce back from that lewis county loss and and get some things done obviously they've still got forest and eagleville coming up in region play and and community as well but they've they've got to get themselves right at um got to get more consistent play I think out of Colton Schaefer at quarterback, if they can do that when, when he's on, uh, I I think they can be a lot to handle. I think they definitely had Lewis County's attention early on. And if that was a 15 to eight ball game at the half before Lewis County pulled away in the second half, in the third quarter specifically. But uh, I, I still, uh, Summertown was ranked number nine in that ball game. They fell out of the rankings with that loss. Would not surprise me to see them get back in there here in a couple of weeks because I still think they're talented enough to make some noise. Especially when you have Loretto and Forrest on the road back-to-back, you have an opportunity to make your case. That Forrest game will be a big one. And that being said, that we've talked, we talked about it when we saw the AP poll. It doesn't make much sense to me. If you are ranked number, we think you're the number nine team in the state. We think your opponent is the third best team in the state. You should probably lose this game. But if you do, we're going to punish you. Yeah, you're you're not the ninth best team anymore. Well, what sense does that make? But whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
It's not my circus. So not my monkeys. And I don't. <laughs> I, I have no interest in 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 becoming part of said circus. So <laughs> we'll just talk about said circus <laughs> even more. That being said, again, Summertown traveling to Loretto. That is Friday night as well at seven o'clock. Again, that is a Region Five One A matchup. Two A. Two A. Yeah, Region Five Two A matchup. I was like Region Two. No, it's not. <laughs> and um, so they have uh, Loretto is zero and one in the region, and Summertown also zero and one. Both looking for their first win. Summertown won this game last year, thirty-one to thirty, and leads the series three to two. So the Pegasus Cup is currently at it's it's, it's in Summertown. There we go. All right, we um, we've got a lot going on. As a matter of fact, we are going to continue covering high school football on the other side of the hour. That has not happened to this point in uh, <laughs> in Southern Middle Tennessee sports today. So we will continue covering. On the other side, we have our game of the week, which is Hendersonville traveling to Independence. Also, in the 10 o'clock hour, we have Heather Williams from WCYB-TV in Bristol. She's going to talk NASCAR and Michael Jordan, which is odd to say together. (laughs) And, of course, stick around. The last segment of the day, Maurice and I will make our picks on... Who's going to win high school football games? And then I'll tell you that he's three games ahead of me in the series at that point. (laughs) All right. Thanks for tuning in. Stick around on the other side of the hour. It is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, and Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. Specializing in orthopedic injuries and their ortho-quick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. Again, to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joints. It is the second hour on Thursday morning. Thank you guys so much for joining us here in beautiful Columbia, Tennessee. It's uh, still some high school football. We've got a couple of games to talk about, including our game of the week. Before we get to that, though, we need to talk about one of the biggest games in our coverage area this week, especially for the Richland Raiders, as they host Fayetteville in a massive Region 5 1A. Got it right this time. Yeah, you did. Region 5 1A game. 
Fayetteville comes in four and one on the season, three and zero in the region. Richland two and one on the season, one and zero in the Richland region. And this game could become one of the biggest games at Richland High School in a very long time. Yeah, Richland coming off of a two week layoff again, and so you know, not necessarily the game that you want to break a layoff in, but um. Like you said, we they keep come saying in, we yeah. keep saying rust or rest. Rust or rest. I mean, um, they come in. They they have had two weeks to prepare for Fayetteville. If there's any team you want two weeks to prepare for, it's probably Fayetteville. Thing is, I'm just not sure that you can prepare for them from the sense that you know what they bring to the table is is their physical nature. I mean, they're big up front. They've got big backs, and and it's not necessarily scheme that makes them go as much as it is, you know, physical attributes and talent. And so, you know, unless unless some of Richland's defensive linemen got a little bit bigger over the last two weeks, I'm not sure that you can use that time to prepare. But, you know, this is a tough a tough game to break a layoff in. But it's at home for Richland. Uh, I think, you know, there's going to be some excitement. Again, they're 2-1 and one overall. They're 1-0 and oh in region play with that win against Mount Pleasant from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, team that made the playoffs last year for the first time in a long time. The chance to, you know, kind of keep themselves in the running for postseason play for a second straight year is um, got to be a motivational factor for them, I think, going into tomorrow night. This is a game that... One, I will be at, so that's exciting. Maybe not for Richland, but the last Richland game I was at was not good for them. Um, they, I don't they think got, that was your fault. They got beat at Rogers. That being said, this is a game that could be similar to that in, like you said, the physicality, the size. I saw Fayetteville two weeks ago against Mount Pleasant, mm-hmm. and honestly... They have they have a seriously good passing game that they don't utilize very often because their their run game is so effective. But when they need to throw the ball, they've got a couple guys on the outside who can just absolutely go up and get it. And what I love about that is I've seen a lot of teams in Class 1A who – they just have to do, you know, they, they have to rely on the run game because they just don't have somebody who can throw the football. Fayetteville's got athletes all over the field. And and ultimately what I would imagine will happen in that situation is because they run the ball so well, they're going to suck you down. You they're going to suck you down. They're going to get one-on-one coverage out on the edge. And That's, all of a sudden one of those guys is going to run a run a fly or a post or something and and with one-on-one coverage and the safety's down you know it it suddenly becomes becomes a big play when didn't necessarily have to be but because you know you're so run conscious you you've almost forgotten uh-oh there they go the important thing for Richland is to not make mistakes. They have the horses to create big plays. We've seen Fayetteville give up big plays, mm-hmm. especially against Mount Pleasant. If Richland behind Sam Edwards at quarterback 
and Austin Seals at running back, if they can find a way to sustain some drives or even get the big play when necessary, I feel like they have an abs they absolutely have a chance to win this game and this obviously they lost last year 31-13. They did not have Sam Edwards at quarterback in that right. game. They they have a little bit better options on on the offensive side. It's going to be a matter of is this going to be a a shootout or how well do the defenses play? Yeah, you said option. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what they're going to do. Yeah, and and I mean, I I saw them against Mount Pleasant in that 14-7 win a few weeks ago and you know, Sam Edwards is as good as as I've seen at at the high school level, particularly at the class 1A level at running that, you know, do I give it off to Austin Seals or do I pull it and and get out to the edge myself and, you know, reading that defensive end or whoever is is out there on the edge and we talked about assignment football in some previous podcasts. If, if, if Fayetteville gets caught out of position, you know, Edwards can take advantage and, and make some things happen there. So if, but if, if the defensive end doesn't crash and he gives it to Austin Seals, he you, can make some you, things. You happen. better make sure you plug the hole. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, offensively, we talked about Richland's preparation and having two weeks. Fable's only had a week to get ready for Richland's offense, so there may be an advantage with the host Raiders as far as that goes because these guys, when they get it rolling, they can be pretty tough. They absolutely can. Again, that's Friday night at Richland down in Linville. I will be there. I will probably go eat a little bit before the game. I'm not sure where just yet i will no, probably not you you wouldn't do that would you? i will probably not visit 10 south distillery before the game that's probably a good idea just so you know um but I'm really excited about it. it's going to be a great football game and that's the game i will be at let's talk about the game that you will be at maurice you are at our game of the week this week as hendersonville travels to independence and independence is on a three-game win streak and they are rolling playing some pretty good ball right now coming off that 21-7 win against franklin and um a couple wins before that obviously their only loss to this point was in their season opener against summit hendersonville lost early to oakland and lost to beach in a big sumner county matchup a couple of weeks ago but this is traditionally a really good commandos team, and they and they and Independence have a little bit of a history. I think they played in the playoffs probably about four years or so ago when um when Independence when both of them were still in five A, and so yeah, it should be a pretty good ball game. Again, we've talked a lot about Jackson Campbell and that offense. You've talked a lot about that defense, man. So um, good. Josh and Moore, um, those guys. I'm telling you, man. This is, this is a really good indie defense. Well, I think they'll have their hands full. Um, I don't think they're seeing I mean, Hendersonville's got some – they've got some horses now, and I'll tell you, despite their two losses, both of those losses have been to very good football teams. You're talking about Beach. You're talking about Oakland. Yeah. And obviously Oakland has been among the class of 6A for quite some time. Pretty good while. Yeah, the um, Patriots are pretty darn good. Their two wins, 
they defeated Station Camp and they defeated Lebanon. Both of those in region play um, Station Camp with a 49 nothing win, Lebanon 27-10. So they've shown an ability to put some points up. So, um, again, that Indy defense will get tested. That's the thing, you know, the difference between the Independence defense now and and I don't and versus week one and week two. I don't know necessarily how true this is, but I did notice some talk on social media about how there were the scheme against Summit was to play their defensive line to play off the ball in order to contain Wade inside the pocket. Since that time, they've gone ahead and moved closer. They're not playing that, you know, step off the ball, and they've been dominant up front. They Again, we talk about high school football. It's all about blocking, tackling, and running the football, and they've just been more physical than their opponents, especially last week against a very good offensive line against Franklin. They went in and dominated the – the trenches and if you do that you're going to win a lot of football games yeah and and that franklin offensive line we talked about coming out of that summit game uh, they've got some size up there for for even for class 6a they've got some size up there and so for independence to be able to go in and hold their own against those guys got to make them feel like they can do that against anybody they're going to see i absolutely feel like they can this is a this is as good of a Scott Blade team as I've seen in a long time, and we talked with Joe Williams earlier this this week on Tuesday, and he absolutely believes that Independence is in the conversation for, you know, that the top of this Region Six Six A standings where Brentwood currently sits, Ravenwood, and then of course Independence is also two and zero. They actually technically Independence is a half game up on Brentwood. <laughs> right now because, because Brentwood's only played the one game only played one but um it's it's going to be a great rest of the year in that region 66a i'm looking forward to every single game that comes out of it so all right we are when we come back we're going to talk to heather williams from wcyb tv that's going to do it for our high school football previews But we still have our picks, so make sure you stick around through Heather Williams. We're going to talk NASCAR and Michael Jordan and all the things that go along with that. And then at the end of the show, we will make our picks. You can do that as well. If you want to make your picks, give us a call, 931-381-1017. We'll let you do that in the last segment of the day. Again, that's 931-381-1017. Here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. 
20 minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock here on Thursday morning. We've got high school football tomorrow night on Friday night. Tonight is TriStar Sports Live at DB's Eats and Beats with J.P. Plant, Terry the Chicken Man, and local coaches. So make sure to tune into that. That's at 6 o'clock tonight. Lots of great stuff from those guys. If you want more about local high school football, you can tune in tonight, like I said, 6 to 8, live at DB's Eats and Beats. If you want to get out there, you can wear some purple or navy and orange, and you can get a little discount. Can't beat that. You know, discounted food is always good. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, no doubt. Yeah. If you haven't noticed yet, I really like food. <laughs> I, I, I am I am all about food. So just saying, follow me, Friday Night Bites, TN on Instagram. That will show you where I've been and what I've been doing. I don't don't take my advice. I don't I don't I don't claim to be, you know, Gordon Ramsay or anything. I just tell you if it tastes good to me. That's all I can that's all I can tell you. And if the service is good. You do tell us if the service is good. The service is good. Or if it's not. Exactly exactly. So you gotta you gotta know that. That's very important information. Right now we are going to talk a little bit about something we talked about Monday. Mo we we talked Michael Jordan has teamed up with Denny Hamlin of NASCAR fame mm-hmm. to put together their own NASCAR race team. And the driver they chose is Mobile, Alabama native, Mr. Bubba Watson. I'm sorry, Bubba, Bubba Wallace, sorry. Watson, Wrong sport. Yeah. Anything. Mr. Bubba Wallace... Daryl Wallace Jr. is going to drive <laughs> this Denny Hamlin Michael Jordan car. And I'm not sure if those of you who follow NASCAR saw this, but Michael Jordan told Denny Hamlin that he had no interest in doing this if they weren't going to win. And Which is not a comment that surprises you at all coming from Michael Jordan. That's right. He said, look, I don't want to go out there and just finish 18th, 19th, 20th, 30th. I want to win. So Michael Jordan, probably one of the most competitive people in the history of the world. To talk about that, we have on the line with us from WCYB-TV in Bristol, Heather Williams. Heather, thanks for joining us. Oh, sure. Thanks, guys, for having me. Heather, we, we talked earlier this week when we – um figured out that we were going to be able to get you on that we we couldn't figure out why anybody in bristol tennessee would want to talk about nascar yeah i don't know there there might be this big round track thing that i can basically see from my apartment but other than that i'm not sure why now i'm jealous (laughs) (laughs) now we know we got a place to stay if we ever decide to come up there anytime you want to come up for race race week i got a spare room got some binoculars that's what our telescope (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey um for again appreciate you coming on and spend a little time with us so you've kind of helped educate me on nascar you you've kind of been my nascar go-to person because you know for whatever i do know about sports nascar is not really in my wheelhouse but you are excited about this situation for bubba tell me why well for a number of reasons i mean first of all um it's a car for next year. It's probably going to be a good car. Um, he's been in the sport for a long time. He's kind of bounced around 
um, from different teams, uh, mainly because of the lack of sponsorship. Um, for whatever reason, until recently, he hasn't been able to garner the, uh, the sponsorship he needs to run competitively. And uh, his activism has kind of uh, opened up uh, sponsors' eyes to be able to see that he's kind of a sellable guy. So that's helped him a lot. So he's going into this relationship with Jordan and, and Hamlin with money, which is something he's not had in his career. Not only just the money that, that those two guys are going to put into the race team, but also his own money and sponsorship. It's been reported up to around $40 million was the sponsorship that he's bringing with him in his own pocket. So that's something he's never had in his career save the handful of races he ran for Kyle Busch Motorsports in the truck series. So, and when he has had that money and running those kind of cars, he's won. He's been competitive. So this is exciting for him because he's going to actually have a chance to show uh, what kind of driver he is. You said good car. And again, me being a novice, if that, calling myself a NASCAR novice probably doesn't even do novice justice. But when you said he's going to have a good car, you know, he's driven for Richard Petty for the last little bit. And, and you heard my reaction the first time you said that the thought that he didn't have a quote, good car running for Richard Petty just kind of boggled my mind. Talk about that. Well, for starters, Petty's really kind of a figurehead of that team. He's not really the money guy, the ownership guy. Um, and sponsorship is so important. Uh, running these cars are, are expensive. You have to be able to uh, do pull-down rigs and, and testing when NASCAR allows it and, uh, and development and, and, and the research and development and, and those kinds of things and the engine program. And all those things cost money. And the way that Richard Penny Motorsports is set up right now, they don't have that money. They don't have a ton of sponsorship. Um, they are affiliated with uh, Richard Childress Racing, who helps provide engines and some technical support for them. But it's not the same as having that on your own. The, you know, the good stuff goes to Richard Petty, goes to uh, Richard Childress Motorsports, and then you know the secondary stuff goes to uh, to RPM. So uh, it's not the Richard Petty of back in the day where he had all the money and all the sponsors and and, and on all the research and development and were able to run away from the group uh it's a much smaller scale down richard petty organization and they're a single car team that's affiliated to a two car team so that's really only three cars um whereas you look at organizations um like Stuart haas which is the most successful they have four cars plus a couple of affiliated cars so all of those cars are building into the research and the ability to find out how cars are reacting and tests and all of that kind of stuff and building up a database and they just don't have that at richard petty Maurice, do you know the best way to become a millionaire in racing is to be a billionaire and start a team? Right. <laughs> um, you you mentioned the affiliated cars. Is this going to be affiliated with Joe Gibbs? Is this going to be a fifth Joe Gibbs car? It hasn't been announced yet, but I can't imagine that it wouldn't be um, for a number of different reasons. I mean, I don't think that Denny would, would start a single car team without having some kind of affiliation because he knows how difficult that is being a part of the sport. Uh, there's also an affiliated team in, uh, in um, Le Levine family racing that just recently closed has cars, Toyota cars that are ready to go. And I know they sold their assets to Spire, but Spire doesn't run Toyotas. So I would expect them to purchase the cars part of that. Um, 
because they're going to be switching to a new car in 2022. So right. I don't see, I don't see this team building new cars. It just wouldn't be cost effective. They're going to go buy cars from somewhere, and those are sitting out there. So it, it seems to line up that that's probably going to happen. It hasn't officially been announced yet, but I would be stunned if it didn't go that direction. We know what Michael Jordan did as a player. What he's done in the front office to this point in the NBA has not been super successful. Has there any been any thought about what makes Michael think he can be successful in NASCAR if he can't be successful as a GM in the sport where he was so successful as a player? I mean, if I was just guessing, I would guess his affiliation with Hamlin. I mean, Hamlin mm-hmm. has been, especially the last few years, one of the most successful drivers in racing. He uh, he has everything but the championship in the Cup Series. He's, I think, won seven races this year. Um, and he knows about people. I mean, NASCAR is so much just about aligning yourself with the mm-hmm. right people and not – and, and relationships that your driver crew chief relationships got to be perfect. The driver ownership relationships got to be perfect to make all this work. And so I think just those, the ability to have someone like Denny Hamlin that understands that, I think that's why he thinks that this will work for him. Hey, we're talking again with Heather Williams from WCYB TV in Bristol. I'm talking a little NASCAR and um, I'm kind of getting, out of my comfort zone to be sure but um but heather knows that we we talk a lot on twitter and that kind of thing i'll tell you she's really been educating me on some stuff and you talked about bubba bringing some sponsorships and and that was um you know kind of revelatory to me from the standpoint that i thought that the 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 sponsorships typically went with the team so walk me through that that process well there's actually sponsors that are both. There are sponsors that are very connected to a team, uh, to a brand. Um, I think maybe the, the most, the easiest one would be uh, Axtel, which is old DuPont. They are very connected to uh, Hendrick Motorsports. They were Jeff Gordon's uh, sponsor forever. And then when he left, they've been on the car of both uh, Alex Bowman and uh, William Byron. So that's, that's their team sponsor and they have a say as to which drivers run their their in their car like you can't just throw anyone on in the car and they'd be okay with it but they're very much connected to the team then there are sponsors that are connected to the driver for instance denny hamlin had a sponsorship with jump van with jordan brands um, that is denny's sponsor it's not connected to joe gibbs racing in any way shape or form um Another example is currently Bubba Wallace has a sponsorship with McDonald's. That's they're, They are sponsoring Bubba. They've been on the car, but they're sponsoring Bubba. And when Bubba leaves, they are going with Bubba to this new race team. So there's a little bit of both that goes on. These days, it's more prevalent that the sponsors are connected to the drivers. And drivers that have a lot of sponsorships um, are going to have rides. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean good rides, bad rides, whatever you want to call them, having a sponsorship, quote unquote, as they call it, in your pocket, um, will give you a better chance of having a, having a, a ride for the next year. All right. So, so if you've got a racing team that involves Michael Jordan, is it just a done deal that he's going to run 23? <laughs> I would think so. I would think so. 
Currently, nobody is running 23. Uh, the last few seasons, BK Racing ran that 23. Um, they're currently, I, I don't know if this has been said, I probably should have looked this up before we, before we chatted, but they were in bankruptcy. They're not running right now. So I would assume it wouldn't take much for that team to get the 23 and negotiations on that may be why it wasn't announced initially. But yeah, I would, I would think it would almost have to be 23. Is it going to be red and black as well then? I think that will somewhat dis, uh, depend on the sponsor. Um, you know, if you're running a McDonald's car, absolutely, I could see a red and back, black paint scheme. But uh, some of the other sponsors, like Brent's Bubba has a DoorDash car, and that's one of his sponsors. That car's green. So I think it would probably be sponsorship uh, dependent. But, you know, in the petty cars, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll run um, by level paint schemes where part of it's petty blue and part of it is a sponsor. So you might see some of that. I'm curious, Heather, this is one of the more unique partnerships in NASCAR, typically like the Stuart Haas and the Richard Petty Racing and even Childress to an extent. Most of these have racing backgrounds. Michael obviously does not, despite him being from North Carolina. What what is the difference do you think there will be in this being a non-traditional racing team partnership? Well, I think the biggest thing is it has the ability to draw people from other areas. I think I see a lot of parallels between this and the team that Brad Doherty owns. Mm -hmm. Only I believe this team is probably going to have more sponsorship and more money and probably the ability to win more just because of its uh, connections if they come to fruition with, with Joe Gibbs racing. But, you know, Brad was the same way. I mean, he wasn't really connected to racing other than he grew up in North Carolina and he got connected with a team that uh, is a more racing background and they've been moderately successful. I won't say fairly successful. They're a mid-level team capable of winning a race or two. I expect Jordan just because of his nature. And like I said, because of his affiliations to be more successful, but the biggest thing is, is that it just has the ability to attract people. I mean, I got, I got Maurice talking about it, right? <laughs> talking about racing. So well done. I mean, that, that's, that's an example right there. As you talk about that, you know, Michael Jordan, obviously Bubba Wallace with the summer that he had, he's attracted a lot of attention, not all of it necessarily the greatest attention, but you know what? What has been the reception in NASCAR to this news? Mixed. <laughs> I mean, you know, some of this has been a really hard sell to the hardcore. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. Hardcore Southern race fans that don't like change. And, and what's gone on with Bubba has been well documented. I don't really have to, to rehash all of that. But right. they just kind of see this as an extension of that, of a pandering to um, certain groups. And that's fine. But I actually believe that this is more than that. I, I know um, – Jordan's relationship with Denny and him wanting to bring Denny into the to the Jumpman brand and, and expanding into racing, you know, several years ago when that happened. So I think this is a little deeper than just that because I know that background and that relationship. But 
Um, and I think people that know that and understand that are really excited about this move because it does open up racing to a whole new group of people. And it, and it, it makes it less intimidating maybe because you know Jordan and you, there's a hook for you to pay attention. Because I believe if you don't know and understand the sport, it's much easier to follow it if you have a rooting interest, a hook, someone that you want to follow. You know, and I think that's true of any sports. I don't really know and know that much about hockey. And it's very hard for me to follow because I have no rooting interest. There's no hockey team from the town I'm from. There's no hockey team in Bristol. So it's just very difficult for me to follow. But, you know, maybe if, you know, I don't know, Richard Childress bought a hockey team, it might be interesting to me. So I think that that's what it does. If you can broaden the appeal of the sport, that's a good thing, right? I think so. I think most people think so. I think there's some people that don't think so, but I think so. And I think race, I think NASCAR has really done that just beyond this move. Um, they're making big changes to the schedule next year. You, you know, up there in Nashville, you're getting right. to rate, uh, getting a race this, uh, at the super speedway. So, you know, which isn't in Nashville, to, it's in Gladeville. Well, <laughs> I've actually been to that track several times and I have seen some great racing there. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really good for the sport because not only is the racing there pretty good, um, but there's so many racing fans in Nashville. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. I think you're right. It's really exciting. Again, talking with Heather Williams from WCYB-TV in Bristol. Heather, talking just about that, because I did want to touch on that, um, the fact that the Nashville area is getting – a a super speedway race after hosting the Hall of Fame inductions, I believe, the last couple uh, the of years. Banquet. Or the banquet. The, the banquet. Mm-hmm. And then you had the, the burnout on Broadway. A lot of people showed up for that. And now they're getting a Grand Prix race, apparently. Um, because of some of the things like Bristol getting the All-Star race and the, the tax benefits that come with that is that uh, you know part of the reason that tennessee is becoming a little bit more nascar centric well i know because i have i there are several people that i used to work with in tv that are now at nascar that nashville has been a target city of theirs for years gotcha um it's always one of the top five markets for ratings for things like Daytona and the championship race. And so they've really been trying to find ways to get into the national market for a long time because it is a huge racing market. And, you know, I know Maurice remembers this. I mean, there used to be NASCAR races and IndyCar races a decade ago um, at the super speedway. And it was really too bad when it left because I felt like all of those things were super successful um, and so they've just been look, always looking for a way to get back in there, whether it was through the banquet, possibly racing at some point at the fairgrounds, the super speedway, that's always been a target for them because the racing history and the excitement about racing is so strong in the area. Yeah. And, and when you think about, you know, the guys that have come through the fairgrounds, like, um, the Marlins, both Cuckoo and Sterling and, and um, Daryl Waltrip getting his start down here and that kind of thing. There are a lot of ties, you know, 
throughout NASCAR's history to Nashville. So like you said, the opportunity to get back is really a big deal, I would think. And and with the upcoming expansion to the the area, does that make it more or less attractive to NASCAR? As far as Well, the, the so they're they're building the the shops and the the mixed oh, use community around the fairgrounds. Definitely more so. More so. I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things that the Kansas Speedway did that they were kind of the innovators was that was build that that community around the the uh, the racetrack. And now other racetracks are emulating that because it just it just adds so much more to the fan experience. Uh, some of these tracks that you go to. Bristol's obviously right on the edge of town, so you're not that far. But some of these tracks that you go to are literally in the middle of nowhere. Talladega. You go to Talladega, there is nothing <laughs> around that track. Um, and, and, and so it's tough for a fan. You're just like kind of stuck at the track all weekend. Um, so I think I think that that's very attractive uh, to the sport to have things to do around the track, shopping or, or hotels or restaurants. Um, it's all a part of the uh, – getting the fan experience to be, you know, something that will make them want to come back. You know, I was driving up to Cincinnati at some point some years ago and driving up through Kentucky and all of a sudden, boom, there's a, there's a, there's a racetrack. And, and that's you another talk, one that's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's nothing around it. There's nothing to warn you that it's there or anything. You just run up on it. And it's like, who put a racetrack here? <laughs> oh, and why? It's kind of so, like it, I mean, Nashville Super Speedway is that way. There's nothing there either. I mean, make sure you get gas before you go. Yeah, I, I wondered about that. I mean, there's nothing around it. There's no restaurants. There's no hotels. Anything like that. I mean, you either have to come back into Nashville or go out to you know Mount Juliet and Lebanon. So it'll be interesting. But people people are really excited about getting it back, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be great for the sport, and I think it's going to be great for Nashville and for the state of Tennessee. I mean, it's a race that I plan on going to, making the four-and-a-half-hour trek from Bristol. Uh, you know, if we get back to more normal times where we can travel more, um, because I think it's important for the state and for the sport to uh, to uh, be involved and support it. No question at all. Heather, thanks so much for joining us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you, Heather. Talk to you tomorrow. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. When we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today, Maurice and I will give our high school football picks for the week as well as take your calls. If you would like to call in and give your picks for the week, we will do that. 931-381-1017. That's 931-381-1017. Give us a call. We'd love to hear it. When we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, it's our weekly pick'em. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Each week, the picks are brought to you by Jamie Davis Allstate. You're in good hands with Jamie Davis. For a free quote, call 615-392-1122. Make sure to tell her Chris and Maurice at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. 
Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. We're going to go ahead and do our picks. Hey, let's throw that call-in number out there one more time, though. If anybody wants to call us with their picks, particularly on our game of the week, the Hendersonville Independence game, um, hit us up. Or Nolensville-Columbia Central, because we would love to know what you think about Nolensville-Columbia Central, because we still don't know what to think about (laughs) Nolensville-Columbia Central. (laughs) At any rate, hit us up, 931-381-1017. Lines are open. All right. Maurice. Coming into today, you are leading, like I said, by three games. Well, of course I, I think am. you are 23-6, and six, mm-hmm. and I am 20-9. and nine. I, the, the fact that I even have a winning record <laughs> still blows my mind. I still, I, I still don't know. I still don't know Tennessee high school football as much as I know Alabama high school football, where I typically win my pick 'em every year on Facebook. So stop it! it You've just been here. This is your fourth football I season, know. is that right? I know that's I mean, fourth fourth football season. So uh, you I should. I you should you only get to use that excuse for so long. I know. I mean, I still I'll never know as much as you. Well, so there's this that. is true. <laughs> this is you know you you are Mostradamus because maybe. Maybe one day you will pass me your hand-me-down when you get a new crystal ball, and I can get your old one. It might be a little cloudy. It might still have a little something in it. But there might be something there. There we go. All right, make sure to check out Mostradamus on sm-tnsports.com. That will drop later today. Mm -hmm. But we'll tell you what what team he's going to pick right now here on WKOM 1017. Let's start with... Nolansville at Columbia Central. The one game. Uh, hey, might as well get it out of the way now. Might as well. Um, bite the bullet. You know, listening to you and Joe earlier in the week really kind of had me scared of this ball game, and I, and I still am. But I just think that Columbia Central is going to carry something out of that win over Lincoln County this past weekend. Um I don't think this Nolansville team is as good as the one that went to the state semifinals in 4A last year. Uh, you saw them against Spring Hill. They were a little shaky in that ball game. Um, I'm going with the host lines in this one. All right. Well, let's go ahead and just get this out of the way because I'm going the other way. I've got the Nolansville Knights going to come in on the road. And they will get a win over Columbia Central. Okay. Let's go on to Spring Hill, traveling to Mount Juliet. Um, tough to pick against the host Golden Bears in this one. Again, Spring Hill 0-3 coming off a two-week layoff. So, um, Mount Juliet, top 10 team in 6A. I think Mount Juliet takes care of business. Now, I don't think there's any question that that's, uh, that's a smart pick. Smart money's on the Bears, and I'm going to go with them as well. Summit travels to Northwest Clarksville. I'm going to go with the Spartans in this one. Again, kind of tough to pick against um, number five team in Class 5A. Probably should be a little higher, but nonetheless, I got the Spartans getting the road win. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Summit in this one as well. Um, Again, Motivated from that their loss in their last time out and sitting on that for two weeks. Plus, I just think they're better. Yes, yeah, Summertown going to Loretto. Who's going to win the Pegasus Cup? Well, it's going to be the Eagles. 
Uh, I think that Summertown's just got a few more horses than the Mustangs. Yeah. You did it That's again, another pun. Yeah. I, I did that one on purpose. Yeah. Few more options in the backfield. Anakin Johnson. Uh, obviously, Colton Schaefer has he's actually improved a lot as the season has progressed in the passing game. And of course, Javen Edmiston is is the the catalyst that makes that one go. Uh, I got the Eagles. I really like Edmiston in the passing game in particular. He really goes up and gets the ball, sure attacks can. the ball in the air as a receiver. I, I, I like him, and I just think. He's going to kind of be an X factor in this game that I'm not sure Loretta can account for. I like the Eagles in this one. All right, Collinwood two and one at Zion Christian three and two. Who you got? I got the Eagles running that winning streak to four straight. Ooh, boy, watch out now. That's a, that's a, that's a. Bold pick. It is a bold pick. Bold I'm strategy, a bold Cotton. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see so how it works. works <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I just think they're playing well right now. I, I, Colin Woods only played one game in the last three weeks. Um, if if they are able to lean on Zion up front, it could make things interesting. But but I just I just think Zion. It's playing really well on both sides of the ball right now, playing with a lot of confidence. I like the Eagles. I think you're you're right. They are playing with a lot of confidence. Unfortunately, I'm going to go with Collinwood in this one. Got the Trojans against Zion getting a road win. All right, Fayetteville coming to Richland. Oh, this hmm. could be a long night for the hosts. I, I like the Tigers in this one. I, I just think when it comes down to it, they've got too much firepower. I think you're right. I don't know. I think it's going to be a good – I think it's going to be closer – than the expert thinks. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit closer, but I do think Fayetteville gets the win at Richland. Coach Nick Patterson loves when I pick against him, by the way. He he really enjoys giving me a hard time on the, on the sideline, but it's worked out for him a couple of times. So <laughs> there you go. Fayetteville gets the win against Richland. And then, of course, our game of the week. Hendersonville travels to Independence. You'll be at that game. I don't think there's any stopping Jackson Campbell in this one. I think the Eagles soar to victory rather easily. I, I, again, last time I picked them to beat um, to beat uh, Franklin. No, the Blackman. Oh, and I said it wouldn't be close. I don't think this one will be either. I think this one will be closer than Blackman was. Okay, but um, I think Independence gets it done here. So I, I, I think they win this. one. All right. There you have it. Those are our picks. Apparently nobody else wanted to get nobody wanted to 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 put their their thoughts on the line there. There we go. It's a tough one. That's well, a tough game. Well, and both of them. Those are both tough games and it's and it's tough making these picks and then having to um stand behind them when they go the other way too. So yeah, You're exactly right. Yeah. All one, right. One thing we want to mention before we get out of here, um middle school football Whitthorn Battle Creek was scheduled for this evening at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. That game is now Tuesday at LNS. And I would imagine it has something to do with, one, the current conditions, and two, Central having a home game tomorrow night against Nolansville. Yeah, I'm sure that the field conditions were of utmost importance. So that game is now Tuesday. Tonight, if you would like to... Get out to some high school athletics. We're going to give you the schedule real quick. 
In girls soccer at 5 p.m., Zion Christian travels to Loretto. Kalioka headed to Wayne County. They'll play at 6 o'clock. Lawrence County will come to Columbia Academy, and that's a 6 p.m. kick as well. Centennial travels to Summit at 7, East Hickman at Richland at 7, and Independence at Brentwood at 7. That Independence-Brentwood soccer game is going to be very good. That's going that, that's that's a big match in uh in in that district. Yeah, and um Brentwood and Ravenwood typically the class of that district, but Independence got a chance to get up there in that mix. Um should be an interesting ball game. Yep. All right, and volleyball tonight. Columbia Central traveling to Franklin County at 5 p.m. Columbia Academy travels to Mount Juliet Christian at 5:30. Also at 5:30 is Cullioca at Mount Pleasant. That'll be a good game. Mm-hmm. Um Centennial traveling to Summit at 6, also at 6. Collingwood at Summertown, East Hickman at Santa Fe, Ravenwood at Independence. All of those matches will be at 6 o'clock. Uh, Ravenwood at Indy will be another big one you want to watch out for because there's uh, Ravenwood's 5-4 and four in the district and Independence is playing really well, so they could the Eagles could, could cement themselves as a, a player in that district as well. And then, of course, uh, Zion Christian travels to Middle Tennessee Christian that time is TBA. Hey, soccer score that we got that we weren't able to get mentioned yesterday. You're right. Big non-region game. Zion Christian defeated Richland 2-1 to one on Tuesday. Um, and it's anybody's guess who scored this two goals for Zion Christian. If you've been paying attention at all, you know it was most likely – Ava Corbin. And it was. And it was. So there you go. Hey, uh, we got about four more minutes, so we might as well talk a little bit about what happened last night as the Atlanta Braves get a they they kind of shell shock the Marlins ace despite a couple of home runs, back to back home runs given up by Max Fried, the first two home the first home run he's given up in 72-plus innings to that point, and he gave up back-to-back. Yeah, um, but again, it it was kind of a carbon copy of the night before the Marlins get two runs. Deja vu all over again. All over again. The Braves come back in the bottom of the first and and answer back and take the lead, and and then they score, what, five in the fourth? Mm -hmm. And and really broke it open. So, yeah. Behind Lieutenant Dan and (laughs) – Lieutenant Dan. That's it, Lieutenant Danzy Swanson. Um, this offense, I mean, it just leaves you speechless. One one through nine. We were talking on the that, way in here. I was going to say, that offense, where does it rank all time with Braves offenses? Because the only other one that's even comparable is 2003, when four players hit 20-plus home runs and had 100-plus RBIs. All, But that being said – I don't think they were as deep as this one. I don't think they were either. I mean, this offense, literally one through nine, can sting One you. through about 12. <laughs> I mean, really, if you go onto the onto the bench, you can pick three guys out of there who are hitting just as well as anybody. Yeah, well, I mean, Adam Duvall sat last night, and he's Adam set, Duvall. Set, the, set the team record for home runs in a month. Right. So. And, uh, and there's still a week left in the month. <laughs> right. We've got four games to play. Um, and and atop of that, Travis Darno was not in the lineup as well. So I have to believe this is the best offense to ever don the uniform of 
the Braves. And thank goodness. Thank goodness, because there's <laughs> definitely the, the pitching, while it has not been bad, this we have to give Luke Jackson props for last night. Fantastic job by that young man to go four innings and get a win. Four innings when he probably didn't expect to be pitching at all. Certainly those four innings, because it was the second, third, fourth, and fifth after Freed had to be pulled, um, tweaked an ankle, feeling <sighs> a bunt. He said it. Sorry, Sarah. Sarah doesn't like the word tweaked. I don't know. I'm sorry, Sarah. It's weird. Anyway, but yeah, it, Max, you know, tweaks an ankle and he sorry, Sarah. He sits out. <laughs> he has to sit out for you know because he's got you know he's got to pitch game one of the uh, of the playoff series, whatever it may be. Game so one. Yeah. you have to have him. So there you go. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us today on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Now. Follow us on Twitter at SM underscore TN Sports. Facebook, you can find us. Just search Southern Middle Tennessee Sports. And then, of course, Instagram also at SM underscore TN Sports. Tune in tomorrow. We will have TWSAA Executive Director and Columbia native Bernard Childress. We will also have former Williamson County football coach, current Florence, Alabama coach, Will Hester, getting ready to take his team up to Brentwood Academy tomorrow night. All right, that's going to do it. Make sure to tune in tonight at 1017, where J.P. Plant and the TriStar Sports guys will be live at DBZ's and Beats. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint.